Welcome to the Birmingham Vineyard Podcast. We hope you find it insightful and encouraging. If you want to find out more about us, head to our website, birminghamvineyard.com. Wonderful. Well, guys, great to see you all. Um, as, as has been said, my name's John. I'm the worship pastor here and a site pastor for this service, as, along with my wife, who's on a train somewhere. Uh, she had some train delays and cancellations and stuff, so she's hopefully not got a screaming toddler on the train, but um, she's somewhere, and I'm sure they'll arrive safely at some point. So we're actually, it's a, yeah, great to see you if it's your first time here today. We're actually going to be finishing our sermon series in the book of James, looking at James chapter 5. So do turn there in your Bibles, or maybe flick there on your app, um, and we're going to have Janet come and read for us um, from James chapter 5, starting at verse 13, okay? And there's something special about having a paper Bible, isn't there? Janet, go for us. V- verse 13. Is anyone among you in Let them pray. Is anyone happy? Let them sing songs of praise. Is anyone among you sick? Let them call the elders of the church to pray over them and anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise them up if they have sinned, oh sorry, if they have sinned, they will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. Wonderful. Thank you. Should we give Janet a round of applause? Thank you, Janet. That's wonderful. So we'll be touching on a few more verses as we go through, but we're going to be, um, what's, the, what's the first thing that you notice in those passages, in those first few verses today? What did it say right at the start? If anyone is in trouble, let them pray. If anyone is joyful, let them sing a song of praise. And if anyone needs, if anyone's sick, call people together and we can pray for them. So we're going to be looking at the topic of prayer. You know, we have this saying in the, in the vineyard movement. If you're here for any length of time, you'll hear us talk about this saying, which is, come as you are. Come as you are. In other words, whether you're in trouble or happy, or sick, or broken, or excited, or hopeful, or disheartened, or struggling, or thriving, come to Jesus as you are. Come to church as you are. There is a welcome for you. There is acceptance for you. You don't have to put on a mask and pretend. But this verse also encourages us not to wallow in self-pity, and nor become prideful when things are going well. And is that a temptation for anyone else? When things are going well, it's like, oh, you know, I'm doing okay at this thing. We don't want to do that. Rather, in all circumstances, look to Jesus. Come to him. Let him be your source. So without wanting to be too deep as we get started, let me ask you, how are you coming today? What's your week been like? Where's your mind at? Are you disappointed or... Happy? How can you fight that temptation today to put on a mask and just pretend? Do you need to pray? Do you need to ask for help in your trouble? Do you need to sing a song of praise? Or or maybe ask someone to pray for you for healing. Be honest with yourself and with God today. So, what what does the next part of our passage say? It says in verse 15, The prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. Well, that's quite a statement, isn't it? And it's fair to say that these words have contributed to quite a lot of confusion, maybe even stumbling over the church for the past, you know, 2,000 years. 
In the church across the world, you'll hear some people say, God doesn't heal today. You'll hear other people say, well, if you didn't get healed, you just don't have enough faith. Is that what this passage is really saying? The implication of saying that the prayer offered in faith uh, will make the sick person well is that if the sick are not made well, then the prayer didn't have enough faith. Is that right? Is that, is that correct? Do we believe that? What do you think? Mm, yeah, no, yeah. And well, the Bible is kind of like, well, kinder, but no. You know, in many places in the Bible, it encourages us to pray with faith, right? Jesus himself said uh, in Matthew 21, truly I tell you, if you have faith and do not doubt, you can throw the mount, uh, say to that mountain, be thrown into the sea, and it will be done for you. If you believe, you will receive whatever you ask for in prayer. Those are Jesus' words. And yet, we hear countless stories of people in the Bible and in the world who we know to be people of faith, and yet their prayers don't get answered. Let me ask you, has anyone in the room ever prayed anything that didn't get answered? Yeah? Okay, I think there might be more of us than that, to be honest. But you know what? You're in some pretty good company. Okay, there are a bunch of people in the Bible, some pretty big names. Okay, I'll run through them. Moses prayed to ask God to send somebody else to save the Israelites. But God said no. David prayed to God to save his son who was dying. And God said no. David also prayed for the right to build a temple for God's presence. And God said no. Elijah and Job both prayed that that, that God would kill them. And he didn't. Jesus, we're good, absolutely. Jesus' disciples asked for special privileges in heaven, but God said no. Peter pleaded with Jesus not to go to the cross, but God said no. Paul cried out that God would remove his thorn in the flesh, and God didn't. You know, my wife and I have prayed for many things over the years, and a number of them haven't seemed to be answered. We've prayed for people to find Jesus, and they haven't. We've prayed for people to get healed, and they haven't. And that is really, really hard. So are we to suggest that all of these Bible characters, and, and Bethany and myself, and, and all of us who have not had a prayer answered, do we just not have enough faith? Is that the only reason, is that the sole reason why these requests weren't granted? I find that unlikely. Instead, could there be something else at play? You know, another saying that we have, that we talk about in the vineyard quite a lot is the now and the not yet. Okay, the now and the not yet. Let me explain this for you. Basically, it's uh, when Jesus came, he lived on the earth, he died on the cross, he went into the grave, and then what happened? He rose again, okay? So then Jesus said, look, I've defeated death. I've come now, I've defeated death, and now my kingdom is available for you. Jesus said the kingdom of God is here, yeah? So we, when Jesus defeated death, like the powers of darkness and death had been beaten, God's kingdom had been inaugurated, is the technical term, inaugurated. The victory has been won. God's kingdom is available to us right now, amen? And yet the victory hasn't yet fully been realized. I don't know if you noticed, we're not in heaven yet. Anyone notice that when they walk around the streets? Therefore, God's kingdom doesn't yet rule and reign over every element of our world. There is still a spiritual battle. Therefore, his kingdom is not yet. 
Jesus will come back a second time and set up his absolute rule and reign and his kingdom will fully break in. The technical word for that is consummated. The victory has been won, but the battle isn't over. And so sometimes when we pray with faith for healing, we see the now of God's kingdom. We see his spirit come on somebody. We see them get healed and their body transformed. And it's amazing. It's like, yes, God's kingdom is here now. And then at other times we pray and we pray and we pray with faith and we don't see healing. We don't see restoration. In those moments, we are witnesses to the fact that God's kingdom is not yet. Am I making sense, guys? So when we pray and don't see the answer that we want, it's not only a matter of not having enough faith, it's because we're in this tension between God's kingdom breaking in and God's kingdom being fully established. And this is sometimes a cause for celebration, right? Sometimes it's really difficult to live in. But at every moment, whatever is happening, whether we're seeing answered prayer or not, whatever we do, we keep on praying with faith because that is what Jesus taught us to do. So the last thing I want to unpack from verse 15 is where it says this, and the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well, the Lord will raise them up. If they have sinned, they will be forgiven. Therefore confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. Hold on a second now, James. Are you suggesting that sickness is linked with sin? And this is again very contentious and dangerous ground where we might stumble. The Bible's answer to this question is sometimes. You know, in, let's, let, let's look at Jesus' example. Sometimes when we're, when, we're, when we're in tricky theology, I like to just look at the life of Jesus. What did he do? So firstly, in John 5, he heals a disabled man at the pool in Bethesda. And then he says to him, see you are well again, stop sinning. Or something worse may happen to you. It seems like Jesus is maybe saying that there is a link here between the man's sin and his healing or his disabled condition. And yet, just a few chapters later on in John 9, when Jesus is confronted with a man who was blind from birth, what does he say? He's asked this question, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? But Jesus said, neither Neither this man nor his parents sinned, but this happened so that the works of God might be displayed in him. So even in Jesus' ministry, we see kind of a, a yes, both and kind of response to this. But Jesus is clearly saying in that passage that there is not always a link between sickness and sin. And so we're left somewhere in the middle. Sometimes it seems that sickness is linked with sin and at other times it's not. So what do we do when we're confronted with somebody who's sick? Do we jump on them with condemnation and go, you have sinned, you need to confess and repent so you can be healed? In a funny voice like that? (laughs) Of course we don't. What would Jesus do? He would welcome them in his loving arms. He would comfort them in their pain and he'd pray for them to be healed. So let's pray with faith for those who are sick. And let's just leave the rest up to God. Repentance will come in its own time through the Holy Spirit. Who in your world today is sick or struggling? Maybe a neighbor or a family member or a friend or a colleague. Who in your world is sick who you could offer to pray for? 
The passage says, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other. I think C.S. Lewis termed this as the reverend one another. So it's not the reverend Andrew or the reverend Peter, it's the reverend one another. Okay, we're called to do this in community. Who could you ask to, to have some prayer from? How can we extend our circles so that we can do that community with each other without any fear of judgment? Okay, so that's the first part of our passage. Everyone with me? There are a bunch of tensions in there where we live in the middle ground. It's a bit tricky. um, But there's also such hope in these verses, isn't there? Pray for the sick and the Lord will raise them up. The Lord will forgive our sins. And then the next verses in our passage give us even more hope. I love this, okay? The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. This is the crucial point that I'd love for you to go away with today. So text a friend, write it down, make a note, put it on Instagram, do whatever you need to do. Learn this verse, because if we live by this verse, we will have great faith for what God can do through prayer. So what I thought we'd do is we can learn this verse together. Yeah? Anyone remember doing like memory verses in school or Sunday school or whatever? Well, here you go. Why don't we try and memorize this together? It's in a couple of different languages, so you can speak the one that you speak. And we, I think we're going to say this together, and then we hopefully we can like learn it and start to believe it, okay? Claim that it's true. You with me? Yep. Okay, so the heartfelt and persistent prayer of a righteous person is able to accomplish much. I think this side was a bit louder. How about you guys? Come on. The heartfelt and persistent prayer of a righteous person is able to accomplish much. One more time. Come on, let's get it in our heads. The heartfelt and persistent prayer of a righteous person is able to accomplish much. What a hopeful verse that is. What a promise that we can claim. I love the even fuller version in the Amplified Translation. It says, the heartfelt and persistent prayer of a righteous person or believer is able to accomplish much. I love this bit. When put into action and made effective by God, it is dynamic and can have tremendous power. Does that sound like, oh, it might change something? It is dynamic when equipped by God and can have tremendous power. Prayer makes a difference, friends. Every time you pray, you make a difference. And James is calling us to pray powerfully. And he doesn't just leave it at that strong statement and say, okay, off you go. He gives us some examples. He gives us the example of Elijah from verse 17. Let's read together. It says, Elijah was a human being, even as we are. Anyone feeling human tonight? You you still breathing? You're in the same camp as Elijah. Even as we are, he prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it did not rain on the land for three and a half years. Again, he prayed, and the heavens gave rain, and the earth produced its crops. When it comes to prayer, Elijah was far from a perfect prayer. Remember, he asked God to kill him twice in his prayers. His prayer life was not super holy and always perfect. Maybe you relate to that. I do. And yet, when he prayed... He made a difference. The heartfelt and persistent prayer of the righteous Elijah accomplished much. Okay, so you might say, that was Elijah. He's in the Bible. He's way more holy than me. There's no way that I could do anything like that. I can't relate to him. Well, how about these ladies? This is Peggy and Christine Smith. They were sisters. Uh, Peggy was 84 and blind. And Christine was 82 and had debilitating arthritis. I don't know which one's which. You can make a guess if you'd like to. But you could say that in human eyes. They were about as weak as they come, right? They didn't have much physical strength. 
They were a part of a church in the Hebrides, which is kind of like the islands above Scotland. You just kind of keep going up, keep going up, and then cross some water, and then kind of up there. But they were too weak to attend their church in person. And yet, in 1949, they were burdened by the spiritual dryness of their church. And so they committed to pray in their own home together. They prayed two or maybe three nights a week from 10 p.m. to 3 or 4 a.m., twice or three times a week, for weeks. They were persistent prayers. They sensed that the Lord had spoke to them, that revival was coming in their little community And they spread the word of knowledge. They told other people. And after praying for weeks and others prayed too, their sleepy and struggling church was suddenly filled in the middle of the night and revival broke out. No one had invited these people to the church. They just came out of reverence for Jesus. And hear this. I love this. I was reading up on it. It says this. On the same evening, there were 100 young people at a dance at the parish hall. Or I guess you could replace that with like the best club in Birmingham. During their dance, God suddenly fell upon them. The music at the dance hall stopped, and the young people, being overcome by conviction of sin, fled the hall as if they were fleeing some plague. And then they made their way to the church. In addition to these 100 young people, there were hundreds more who had just all been in bed. This was like in the middle of the night, but simultaneously, without any explanation, got out of bed, dressed themselves, and went running to the church. Could you imagine if that happened today? I mean, we'd have to have a notice or something, because our building isn't open in the middle of the night. I hope God would give us some some foreknowledge. The church seated seated 800 people, and it was packed. There were people in in the rows, in the pews, in the aisles, on their knees, crying out for God to have mercy. And a hunger and thirst for God overwhelmed the people in the area. The heartfelt and persistent prayer of those two sisters was able to accomplish much. If that doesn't relate, how about this? It's a story from the World Prayer Center, which is based in Birmingham. So a Muslim man came to the church and asked to speak to a pastor. He had had a dream of Jesus. And he had had this dream for three nights in a row. And on the third night, he saw Jesus lift him up, and they hovered over a group of people And he felt like in that vision, in that dream, that they were praying for Muslims to come to know Jesus. He felt Jesus in the dream say to him, this is a church, go there and speak to the pastor. So he went to the church and began a relationship with Jesus. What is amazing about this story is that there was a small group of people who that week were in the building praying for Muslims to come to faith. That week. This man had seen that group in his vision. The heartfelt and persistent prayer of that small group was able to accomplish much. How how about your small group? How could your small group accomplish much through prayer? So if that story doesn't relate, I want to share, Lauren, do you want to come and share a bit of a story of another answered prayer? Just to just really like get this in our minds. This is not super. Amazing prayer people. These are just normal people with an amazing God. I have notes because my story, storytelling abilities are not good. 
Yeah, okay. Um, yeah, so I, I was on my way home from a trip the other week, and I was in Taunton. I was between two trains, and um, they were all on time so far, but then it kind of came up with the, the dreaded delayed, and you don't know how long it's going to be, and they were announcing that there was flood water on the line, and they didn't know if they were going to get the train through. Um, or how long we would have to wait, but there wasn't much we could do, so we just had to wait. So I thought, okay. So I sent a message to a couple of friends to pray. Um, I was ready to go home and um, far away from anyone to come and get me, so I didn't really have many options. Um, and then, almost about five minutes later, after sending that message, there was an announcement that the train was coming through, but it was only going to stop two stops down the line. So I got on anyway, um, and I was working out which trains I could get from, from Bristol. Um, I was tired. I was ready to be home. Um, but then I was sat on the train, and the train manager came along, and they were like, no, we've changed our mind. The train is going to go all the way. So God had changed someone's mind in an office somewhere. Um, and so it meant that I was saved a lot of stress, and I wasn't as late as I thought I was going to be. And so it was just a big blessing. And a simple, answered, quite clear prayer. So. Awesome. Thank you, mate. Just a quick story from, from my own. So there was a service, um, a big church service. It was like all our people together that we used to do. And um, I was literally just about, I was like in the middle of doing something. I was kind of like in like crazy setup mode running around. Anyway, my ear had been bothering me for a few weeks. And um, it was like blocked up and I couldn't really hear. And I was kind of getting a bit worried about it. As a musician, you need your ears, right? And so I was, you know, getting a bit stressed about it. And I'd asked the small group to pray. And we'd prayed as a small group numerous times. And nothing had happened. Okay, that's that not yet thing again. And then, uh, I, you know, one of my small groups just came up to me when I was kind of running around. And was like, how's your ear? And I was like, still not good. And out of nowhere, this like, she just like went, like, something out of like the, the Marvel films or something like that. And she was like, we command healing of this ear in Jesus' name now. And it was like, boom. I heard like a click in my ear. And it was like full healing and full, full, he full healing and full hearing was restored just out in, a, in a split moment. Okay, that wasn't down to my faith. I was running around doing cables. But the person came along and spoke, in an, spoke Jesus' authority into that situation. Aren't these stories encouraging? The heartfelt and persistent prayer of this church, you, me, can accomplish much. So how do we do it? How do we pray powerfully? That's what James is trying to get to us. He wants us to pray powerfully. There's a theologian called Luigi Gioa. I'm not sure if that's how you pronounce his name, but I'm hoping that it's roughly right. He's on the Alpha course. So that thing we were talking about earlier, there's a session that's why and how do I pray? This was his advice in that video. Firstly, keep it simple. Don't overcomplicate it. You don't have to use fancy words. Or pray in a funny voice, thus saith the Lord. That's not what we're doing here. We're just chatting to... God, as we would chat to our father or our friends. Okay, keep it simple. Keep it honest. Pray what's in your heart and what's in your mind. You don't have to kind of feel like you have it all together before God. You don't have to, you, you can't, you don't need to say like, oh, I'm feeling a little bit angry at God, so I'm just not going to pray to him right now. God isn't intimidated by our emotions. You can be happy in prayer. You can be joyful in prayer. You can be downcast in prayer. You can be angry in prayer. Keep it honest. And then lastly, keep it going. As our passage in James shows us, Elijah didn't just pray, he prayed earnestly or persistently. There's that word again. 
He, if you know the story in 1 Kings, it's actually that Elijah prayed seven times, sent off his servant seven times to go and see if the rain was coming, if his prayer had been answered. Peggy and Christine Smith prayed for weeks. Sometimes we pray for years. There's a vineyard church in Belfast who were praying to get their own building. They prayed for 20 years to get a church building that they owned. And then two years ago, there was breakthrough and they got it. Isn't that amazing? However long it takes, keep it going. So where are you at today? What's your next step? Maybe you've never prayed before. I'd want to encourage you that there is a God who hears your prayers. He hears your voice. He loves it when you speak to him. And he has good things in store for you when you ask him for them. Maybe you could do that for the first time tonight. Maybe you've prayed for a long time and you've not seen the answer. I want to encourage you today to keep praying. Keep crying out to God. You know, Jesus will come back one day and will restore all things. And so your prayer will be answered. In the meantime, whether it's soon or far, keep it going. For the rest of us, if those things don't relate to us, maybe there's someone in your world who is sick or who's walking away from their relationship with Jesus that you want to commit to praying for. You know, there was this guy called D.L. Moody who wrote down a list of 100 names, okay? Imagine that just 100 names sheet of paper. He prayed for those 100 people every day. By his funeral, by the time he died, 97 of those people had come into a relationship with Jesus. And then the remaining three became friends with Jesus at his funeral. All 100. Tick. Done. How many, you know, don't you think that we could all pray for three or four people every day? Imagine what God could do if we did that. So maybe as we come to a time of response, you might want to pray to God for the first time. You might want to pray to God for something that you've been praying to him for a long time about. Or you might want to just start making that list of things, of things or people that you want to pray for every day. As we finish, what was that verse that we looked at? It was the heartfelt and persistent prayer of a righteous person is able to accomplish much. Wouldn't it be great if we lived that out, eh? We hope you enjoyed the talk and found it helpful. We'd love to welcome you to one of our gatherings. We meet in multiple locations at multiple times on Sundays, as well as in midweek small groups across the city. More information on all of these can be found at our website, birminghamvineyard.com. Thanks for listening. Have a great day and God bless.